Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts. I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, the um as at the time we're recording this, it's basically Black Friday time, and the poll for the Xbox versus GameCube draft has kicked off, and you are winning, which I expected. But it's not as big a disaster for me as I feared. Do you have any thoughts on how it's going so far? It's going okay. I, f- I feel like it's it's another poll where games aside, just general kind of episode uh, demeanor <laughs> has is carrying some of the vote. Some I think some people found you know either of us too sour. Um... Mostly me. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think, uh, but I think you know, when people step away from that, which I hope they will, and just focus on the games, they see you know they're they're. I, I think they, I think there are two collections that define those consoles nicely. Like I was way more excited for the Xbox games than I thought I was going to be. I've seen some people like oh, I'm not voting for GameCube because it's got sunshine on it, and you're like, well, I mean that seems mad to me, but you know. Whatever, <laughs> it's yeah. one of twenty games. I mean, if you want to do, if you want to base your vote on that, so I can maybe sort of understand some of your p- previous frustrations, <laughs> where people kind of torpedo an option over like one quite mad stance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was funny because uh, one one listener said that um, uh, you know it was easy to vote for you because my console was filled with like um, weird movie tie-ins, and I think that like only refers to the matrix path of neo which like you know i totally own as a kind of divisive pick but the funny thing is that episode that we put out is the edited version so like if we think that's what was um suitable for public consumption imagine what we cut as we kind of like um got into sort of like um basically childhood kind of rivalries and me being a gigantic baby which is yeah um, i mean i like i literally cut like half an hour from that episode uh, <laughs> Because it was yeah. just, it was just too spicy. <laughs> it, it, it was just like, is this even a fun podcast anymore? You don't want people to ask that question. <laughs> I was like, don't tell me this is the end of the back page podcast. No, no it wasn't. By a draft. <laughs> it was right before I started a new job that we recorded that, and I was just incredibly tense. I think generally, <laughs> I think I just came off a little bit in the uh, in the audio. It's it's good. I think I think once you get into the draft itself, I think that that episode's just got like loads of loads of fun games to talk about um yeah. and some preposterous stuff um i do feel a bit dirty about time splitters too but there we go you gotta yeah that... gotta live with these things i'll have to live with that <laughs> yeah i was sort of i wish i'd worked a bit harder to uh like throw things at you that you didn't pick for the console like we talked about this um off air but like the fire emblem game that came out on gamecube or skies of arcadia which you know is hard mm. to get hold of but um, you know, it's it's fine. It's like it doesn't make a difference. But you know, what can you say? It's a console that's got Wind Waker and Resi Four on it. Of course, people are going to buy it. It's just you know, good times. Good times ahoy, frankly. So uh, yeah, we'll see how that <laughs> very nautical. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it is. Yeah, that was completely unintentional. But like, um, just some bleary eyed. <laughs> I don't know yeah. the word ahoy popped into my head. So yeah, that's uh, that draft is uh, closed by the time that people are listening to this. So um, I'll keep the pinned tweet up for like another week so people can see what the result was. Uh, and also a housekeeping note for people: I've gone back into the episode descriptions for the draft episodes and started adding who won them just because it's going to be quite hard for people to find the results on Twitter at this point. So right. just thought that if you want to know who won the draft and you're like late listening to it, all you have to do is go to the episode description and it will tell you who won. So that will um, save uh, I mean, m- most times you're safe just to go, I imagine Sam won, because that's, that <laughs> tends to be what happens. 
It's going to be 3-2 after this one, though. So, you know, oh, okay. The, um... well, well, then I'll lose my underdog shtick, which <laughs> will hurt me in, in future drafts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Matthew, in this episode, speaking of uh, the old Xbox, this episode is all about Halo. So, Halo Infinite is... it's uh, It's been long awaited. It was delayed by about a year. They released the multiplayer a little bit earlier. So, in this episode, we haven't played the single player yet, but we have been playing a bunch of the multiplayer together, in fact. So, in the first section, we're going to talk a bit about that. And then in section two, I'm going to rank the Halo games. I'm just going to rank them by campaign rather than multiplayer because it gets a bit murky otherwise. But uh, mm. people can look forward to that. I think I would say in terms of the ranking, it's quite a predictable ranking, particularly if you've been listening to this podcast. You're kind of like tuned into my tastes. But um, yeah, <laughs> H- uh, Halo, Matthew, we talked about this on the Xbox draft a little bit, but you said it took a little while for Halo to crack you. Was that the was that your sort of starting point with it? H- Halo 3 was the first one I played because obviously I didn't have an Xbox I think when you come to Halo 3 without any like investment in the the world and the story of it some of it's a little befuddling like I, I I've been doing quite a lot of um I've, I've now played all the Halo campaigns over the years since then and but before this episode I was just refreshing myself on some things and reading about rankings and watching some YouTube videos just to get a feel to see what other people rated and there's so much like mad overinvestment in the story of Halo that I think can only come from playing these games when you're young on Xbox and becoming invested in this world, which coming to it now, it's an element of it I will never understand. So putting that aside, like I would even go as far to say I think the Halo story is kind of total garbage. And so let's push that aside for a second. It's got such a weird rhythm of its own, I think, Halo. It's still completely its own thing. Getting into that took me quite a long time. Halo 3 was something that didn't instantly strike me as amazing. It it took me quite a few years and replays to really click with it and and fully understand it. And I feel like now I I like Halo more than I ever have. But that coincided with maybe the, at least the campaigns being not very good. (laughs) Um, So I've, I've done it all out of order. My whole relationship with Halo is sort of fucked because of when when I came to it, when I've warmed to it. Um, but I'm open to more great Halo and, and um, looking forward to chatting about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm not a big Halo head, as our listeners might say. Oh, e- I, I, e- I'm, I'm resisting saying this. Oh, instantly, <laughs> on a side note, I feel so seen when people do these tweets that, that <laughs> quote with eerie accuracy things that I might say on this podcast. And it's made yeah. me realise just what a caricature of a human being I am, that I could be boiled down to a handful of Simpsons-like catchphrases. Um, it's kind of I embarrassing. Think- I think you underestimate the kind of uh, the richness of yourself. I mean, we've, we've we've put out at this point more than a hundred hours of audio onto the internet. Like, if you think about it, that is the equivalent of about three hundred Simpsons episodes. So you know, and like after three hundred episodes, you could you could build up a pretty good impression of who, like you know, I don't want to say Homer Simpson to compare you to Homer Simpson, but you know, a character like that or Mo, like you kind of. You know firmly who they are. So it's done out of love, Matthew, I yeah, would say. Yeah, I think um, so. But I, I, I'm not going to say I'm not a big Halo head, even though it's kind of <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I've never been like mega invested in the story of Halo, but I, I assume it must matter to people who play the games because they've always made it such a big part of the um, the marketing of how they, they work on these yeah. games. So, yeah, but like, um, I, I am into like the setting, though. I do love the way it looks. I love that it's a colourful sci-fi world. It's like yeah. back when everyone was doing kind of like brown games in the HD era, like Halo looked vibrant and beautiful. And 
that that style has aged very well. It's why Halo Infinite looks fantastic. It's just because they, you know, it's it was all there from the original game in 2001, and they've just kept that ever since, even as, like, the trends have changed around it. It never mm. really feels like, in a wider sense, it never really feels like Halo is bent around the, like, different trends of first-person shooters. It's, like, kind of yeah. like... Yeah, it's like there are like concessions for sure and changes. Like, um, you know, there's there's loads to Halo Infinite, like running and stuff like that. That feels like and battle passes yeah. that are from I modern th- shooters, but the rhythm of it remains very specific. Like you say, I think Halo Four is the one where definitely in multiplayer they shit the bed a little bit as far as like traditional Halo fans are concerned, because there's a lot more like coddiness to it loadouts and kill streaks and thing it that feels like a studio reacting to the taste of the day where actually i think the strength of definitely like what we've been playing in infinite is that it's very much its own thing kind of saying if you like halo here we've got halo if you don't like halo maybe this isn't for you like there's no there's only so much you can change it before it's not halo anymore and I feel like they're really sticking to their guns on this one. Yeah, which is, you know, absolutely fine by me. It's kind of like resulting in a game that feels familiar. Like, if there's one thing I will say about playing Halo Infinite right now, it, it kind of like, I always sort of regretted that I never quite played enough of the Halo 3 multiplayer as I wanted to, relative to how much I enjoyed that game. But mm. now it feels like I am getting that experience and that particular type of multiplayer experience. And it feels really, really good to, like, see loads of people i know playing it like i the, the there is definitely a sea change here with like people who i know have been playing games on ps4 for the last few years a lot of the a lot of people playing forza horizon 5 and halo infinite like um right. i think showing that microsoft is like whatever they're doing is kind of working in terms of you know reaching people and getting people excited about xbox again these are games that absolutely do it mm. and so yeah it's really nice to be playing something that feels familiar like this but nonetheless, um, you know, has a bunch of different stuff like the um, the grappling hook and, and, and other bits and pieces to kind of keep things um, varied. So we might as well go straight into that, Matthew, because I could talk a bit about the older Halos and my relationship with Halo in the second section. Mm. So playing Halo Infinite with you has been a great delight. Um, we played it one <laughs> evening this week. For the listener's benefit, the funniest thing Matthew does when we play this game... <laughs> And I assume this is you regressing to your 2007 self. Is he'll when he dies, he'll go peace. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the other thing he does is he'll sometimes cry like a baby does. Um, <laughs> and the other thing he does is he does these Malcolm Tucker style riffs on the gamer tags of players who killed him. So let's say there's someone who's like called like Riverboat Captain 69. He'll he'll be like, oh, it's old fucking Riverboat Captain McFuck or whatever. And like, it's these kind of off the cuff uh, sort of like riffs that were so, so funny when we were playing together. And like, I assume that this this is something you've always done in multiplayer shooters, Matthew. But would you like to explain all of that? Uh, I think it's just like my sort of stream of consciousness coming out like live. <laughs> this is why I don't stream because it's just a constant flow of me being quite cross. And, like, in the heat of the moment, they probably sound wittier than they are. I mean, really, it's it's just word association. Of, like, I see a word in their name, I see another word, and then I stick some fucks in there, and somehow it sounds legit, um, but it, it really isn't. Um, yeah, I have just... I mean, that is literally what goes through my head. If I'm playing a multiplayer game by myself, <laughs> it's just me yelling out uh, that's why i'm not on headset mics i think i would have been banned like a thousand times over 
uh, I'm not a good loser and I die a lot, which is why I think it probably feels more prominent. It's not like once or twice a patch. It's like every 15 seconds, <laughs> which is why it probably stuck out a lot. Um, oh, it, it was so funny because I was like quite calm. I would sort of like cheer when something good happened, but like you were just <laughs> off in your own little world. And it, it's delightful for me because I've known you for years and yet I've like uncovered new sides of you. And like... <laughs> I just think that's a great privilege, and it's like, it's the way, it's just the way you go, piss! That's just so funny. Like, that should be a Matthew Castle soundboard you can go buy in, like, a fucking joke shops or something. It was, um, mm. it was good stuff. So, <laughs> so that aside, Matthew, um, how have you been feeling about Halo Infinite so far from what you've played? Yeah, I've been, I've been really enjoying it. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not amazing at Halo, but this one I seem to be doing okay. In. And I don't know if that's just because we're in like the early window and like everyone with Game Pass and an Xbox is basically playing it. So there's lots of people who stumble in and, and kind of don't know what they're doing. And this does happen in multiplayer games. Like I remember you set talking about like Apex Legends, like you guys like moving around different platforms based on the quality of the general play. Is that right? Sort of. I mean, what we would do is we'd switch from like ranked to unranked and just see if it'd be like. Sometimes the matchmaking would just boot us into games with absolute terrors, but then like we. Right. Um, but then if we switch to like ranked, we might get a bit more of a consistent game, that sort of thing. But we've definitely done a bit of that. But didn't you do a bit on PS4 and then switch to PC? <laughs> yeah, that was that did happen. I did a bit of that <laughs> last year, and I did win a game on PS4 quite easily. And I thought, oh, I'm the dirtbag that I hate when I meet them online, you know? <laughs> right. So that's 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 the kind of thing I'm talking about in terms of like I was doing okay, but I seem to be doing okay against a few familiar names in each match, who are obviously the people who are just like panicking a bit. The quality of my play aside i think it just it feels super nice i think the word i used on twitter was like crunchy there's a real snap to the guns and especially if, if you're getting in close and sort of meleeing people to death which i do a lot because uh, you know you've only got enough bullets in in your normal gun to kind of deplete a shield and then you're up close to personal and then it's the old whack fest so the whole thing feels very sort of like armor on armor they've really captured that sense it feels very tactile and pleasant which i really really like so just the act of playing it is super nice compared to other shooters again like this is completely obvious if you've played any of these things um it takes that little bit longer to die in halo so it doesn't feel like you're just getting murdered instantly by teenagers. You know, someone gets a couple of shots on you. You have got a few seconds to kind of like hide and fix yourself or self-right or approach it slightly differently. And that that was always the the big hurdle with me early on playing Halo that I didn't really sort of understand that kind of rhythm of it and would get killed quite easily. But just knowing that you last a bit longer in these games. So it's it's naturally more satisfying to me than other shooters. Because I well, apart from all the times I die and scream piss, of course. Um, <laughs> but that aside, it, you know, it, it's just the, it, that's why it feels like classic Halo. Like I'm I'm living a bit longer, and when I do stuff, it feels great. Yeah, this is exactly why I played Apex Legends as well. There's a slightly longer uh, time to kill, which is a term I learned from um, Evan on PC Gamer when I worked with him. <laughs> but like, um, it's like you just have that little bit longer to kind of keep going and survive, as opposed to like definitely with cod 4 i remember just being like you know just shot not even understanding how i died and then there's a guy like inexplicably across the map who just headshot me but the temptation of that is like well i can do the same to someone else Mm. you know that's 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 always been the appeal of cod is that kind of 
it's high risk but high reward i guess where halo's very different rhythm yeah even warzone feels a bit like it's like you last a bit longer and um it just maybe it's maybe that's a battle royale thing where you just need to have Mm. that slightly longer life but yeah um so i agree with you i was trying to work out what is the essence of halo multiplayer and like i was in a firefight there were like tanks driving around and stuff i like shot a guy and then like a dude fucking clattered from the sky in a banshee and ran me over and i was like this is halo it's like fucking pure chaos in an arena shooter and like there's a bunch of dials they can turn to make it even more chaotic like um mm. it's a it's it's a much more straightforward experience in the smaller maps isn't it like a straightforward kind of arena yeah. experience and then the larger maps is like the vehicles get thrown in it becomes more complicated and like um there's a lot more going on. Do you have a preference between the two styles of play? Traditionally, I've always liked the big team battle stuff just because it it, it feels more like the Halo sort of sandbox um, with all the vehicles. But I, I think the arena game is just much better balanced and I love the really close run like objective game types you know we you know just in in the time we were playing it you know we had a couple of games where of like oddball where it was proper you know first to 100 both teams in the 90s claiming like individual points before losing the ball and those incredibly tense match endings that feels like definitively halo and and they're really good at engineering those as well like it's it's very finely balanced for it to be super tense where in big team battle i think it's so chaotic that if 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 a a small group of people on one team know what they're doing it can just they can just run away with it and completely trance you like if if the people on your team are like wasting the vehicles which can really like overpower the other side you're basically fucked and you'll lose like 100 to 20 or something. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the same time, you don't really care because if in all that chaos you shoot someone out the sky with a rocket launcher, that feels great and that's like your win of the match and you'll take that away. It doesn't, the overall scale of the thing, it, who really cares in the grand scheme of things? It just felt like organic. Uh, emergent halo fun yeah for sure i really love that map that's like um the, the capture the flag map with the the two points and you're like in a desert it's like a square shaped map i think and then like off to the left there are these two columns in the that kind of like face the middle and like um the, the skewer guns pop up there which are like one hit kill guns and they yeah. pop up a limited number of times a game and we won that capture the flag match in sudden death i think i like it because it's got those like launchers that get you down the map quicker but you're then quite exposed and there's quite mm. a nice sort of risk award thing in there um i'm like oh god we kept joking in when we were playing like <laughs> if either of us hinted at trying to have some actual knowledge of the map or some like <laughs> wisdom we joke about being like terrible esports commentators <laughs> <laughs> like absolute pretenders and you're like no no let's let's know our place we're we, we don't know what we're doing really there are entire games where like um i think there are about three or four instances where you and i teamed up to try and be a more effective unit but then there were like other times where we just sort of like basically did our own thing within a game and like had completely different experiences in the game and like yeah. um and then at the end and then at the end we'd lose but we're like oh well you know at least i shot down a banshee or whatever and like um yeah, you get that. But then there's other times where, like, that oddball match where we were playing against a, a, t- a squad of absolute fucking, like, monsters who were just amazing at keeping hold of it and moving through the map and holding at a specific point. And, like, 
being hard for it was hard fought. We didn't win that that game, but we got really close, and it was just just really really fun, um, mm. and like just a really fun trad multiplayer uh, mode. But also the game generally just feels like trad multiplayer, but just done incredibly well. Um, so yeah, really exciting, and I just also just feels like a game I can dip into without feeling like I have to be fucking amazing at it, you know. Which, like, yeah. as, mu- as much as I love Apex, I really do love Apex, is a game that requires you to be kind of, like, switched on, really. Just because it's just, it's got that really high skill ceiling and, like, um, isn't, it takes a while to play a game and stuff. And here it's just like, you know, well, I've got 10 minutes, I fancy a game of this. I don't really care if I if I lose, but if I win, it'll feel really good and I'll have a mm. good time anyway. I mean, side note, 343 Industries, I noticed this with Halo 5 as well. They've gotten really fucking good at how guns feel. Like mm. when we were playing that, what's that mode? The Fiesta mode. The yeah, Fiesta. Yeah, yeah. Rand the kind of like it gives you a random loadout of guns, and like pretty much every single gun in the game feels really good. Like you say, crunchy is a good way of putting it. It just feels like every gun feels like it's got some like heft to it, even if it doesn't necessarily do that much damage. There's that big that gun that fly, like slaps out big red rockety things, and it does like almost no damage, but it feels <laughs> feels really good to fire. Yeah. And I think that like that's something they've gotten really good at since Halo Four is just understanding that gun feel is really important. And so um even the old assault rifle feels really good in this one, you know. It's uh quite mm. the thing. So any yeah, more thoughts on Halo Infinite, Matthew, or are we done there? Annoyingly, like the the whole Halo Infinite multiplayer experience seems to be represented online by lots of arguing about battle pass. Maybe you're super into like unlocking cosmetics and stuff, but do understand that that side of the game is not important. Like, fundamentally, there is no advantage to anything that happens in that game. Like, you just go into the matches, they are complete. They will play out the same way every single time. No matter how many games you've played, you don't have better equipment. There aren't loadouts or anything like that. And online will make... You know, the online discourse makes it sound like it's completely hobbled by this Battle Pass system, but maybe I'm just of an age where I just don't care about that stuff. But the actual game you play is great, so... Don't don't worry about that. All right then, yeah. Well, that's um, that's uh, I've, I'm very much enjoying it, and I'm excited to see what Microsoft does to build on it. Like, uh, if they have different seasons and they add new maps and stuff, that could be really exciting. I mean, this mm. is free as well. It's a free game. This that's like yeah, amazing. Well done. Let's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad we just got a really complete feeling um shooter in our hands, and and Halo is back. A, a world with a good Halo is a better a better world, if you ask me. I mean, you know, <laughs> the sort of all COVID stuff aside, like yeah. it's just, it's just, um, you know, it's uh, it's good. I'm excited for the the future of uh, Halo, which is a good place to be in. So, mm. Matthew, should we take a quick break and come back and talk about some old Halos? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back to the podcast. So, in this section, we're going to rank the Halo games. Well, I am, and Matthew's going to politely listen and ask questions. Think of it like the uh, Phoenix Wright and Zelda episodes, where <laughs> Matthew did a fuck ton of work, but then, like, I just sort of like said, "Oh, but but what about uh, what about the uh, Majora's Mask and uh, the origins of uh, uh, Pono and uh, just all that kind of stuff?" And like, I am um, this time Matthew gets to do that, but I won't have any answers for him because I don't know Halo as well as he knows Zelda. So. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Well, we'll muddle through it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. So um, Halo for me is like, uh, you know, a massive foundational series. I mentioned this in the Xbox draft last week, but 
um i was it wasn't really massively on my radar but then um around like 2002 time i got massively into like first person shooters there's a lot going on in that space at once suddenly there was stuff like uh, medal of honor allied assault on pc which was mm. you know it was by the you know what would become infinity ward uh making that game for ea and that was obviously a phenomenal first person shooter i'd never seen anything like it just draw dropping um kind of like uh, saving private ryan style uh, omaha beach section of course and um that was really good but also uh, battlefield 942 was around that time as well so you got like large scale ve- vehicular kind of like combat in a first person shooter that was really really good and um there was also stuff like uh star wars uh, jedi knight what was it mm. jedi knight 2 yes jedi outcast and like that had a really good multiplayer mode where you'd go from first person shooting to having lightsaber duels in like maps that look like the death star and stuff like that and <laughs> <laughs> that was really, really good. So there was just suddenly a moment where my brain just became alive to how good first-person shooters were, and loads of this was happening on PC at the time more than consoles. Yeah, but I played lots of Soldier of Fortune too. Weirdly, <laughs> that was a good, but that was a good game though, right? It wasn't that like a was that a Raven game? I played well. I played the multiplayer of it a lot. The single player people only played that game because you could like cut people accurately on like 50 bits of their body it's, it's like really sinister early naughty shit um <laughs> but i played the multiplayer of that a lot uh slightly warped experience because i had a i, I always used to play it. i had one cd ripped to my pc which was a benfold <laughs> cd so i used to play that online to a benfold soundtrack <laughs> and now whenever i hear any of those songs on that album i'm just like flashback to war <laughs> I'm so glad I like went down this tangent now because if I hadn't, I would never have heard that story. I could have just talked about <laughs> Halo, but I got to hear that. What I, I remember, I played like more of the first Soldier of Fortune than the second. I think I've only played the demo of the second. I thought the second like seemed though like it was a legit shooter, whereas the first one was like basically pull these action figures apart and watch like blood and yeah, guts go everywhere. The, f- the first one's a little bit like war crime simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then the second one was kind of like them going legit a little bit. Like, yeah, um, it still had that horrible streak to it, but it was yeah, definitely like I think the campaign was semi-respected for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so it was that was a really good time for PC shooters. It just mm. was, and like um, it's right around the time that people were getting broadband, of course, as well. So you could go online with this stuff and have a really good experience. So yeah, I was big into PC gaming at the time, but. Uh, make down the road uh, called Donald, who lived in this gigantic house that looked like a castle. I mean, that sounds like a thing I dreamed. I promise it happened. Um, <laughs> like he, he got an Xbox. I don't know why, but he wasn't as into like PS2. He just, uh, I think it's because his brother had a PS2, so maybe he felt like he got that out of a system. But he got an Xbox, and I remember he had like Championship Manager 2003, which um, I think like that was a huge deal for a football fan for the, that to come out on console at the time. And then like you didn't put that in the he, draft, though, did you? <laughs> Maybe if we redraft next year, Matthew, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll do that, and then like um, uh, True Crime Shoots of LA and uh, Brute Force, uh... <laughs> the cursed redraft. <laughs> oh, I quite like that as an idea, but I don't want to test our listeners' patience. So, um, yeah, I, do you know what? On, on a side note, I do want to do a four-person PS2 redraft. Yeah, oh, for sure, with Rich and maybe Dan Dawkins or something. Oh, else. that would like, be so good. That could be really good, yeah. Because also, you know, Dan plays football games. He can talk about pairs. I think I'd never understood, so that'd be good. Um, but yes, that was that was a bit of a tangent. But he got an Xbox, and I didn't really. I knew that Microsoft had thrown all this money at it. I remember at the time thinking, "Oh, is it kind of like your sort of dad's console?" Because PC, you know, uh, PC and console have very different profiles. But then 
the shooter that had been like written about in PC mags a lot. I think Halo was originally a strategy game, and then like it was obviously a Mac game for a while, then ended up coming to PC. Um, but then like it moved from PC to Xbox. I had a long journey. Uh, came along, and I was just blown away by how good it felt from the off. It was like playing a PC quality shooter on a controller, and like there was just something perfectly Xbox about Halo. It's just the, the very essence of the Xbox, what I kind of see it as, and what everyone sees it as. It's just wrapped up in halo this really high quality um kind of like uh, bright first person shooter that feels like something it could have been on pc in like the the noughties but instead ended up defining like um the genre for consoles and over time i would say that like halo left such an impact on me that i've never quite had the same experience with the subsequent games they've gone in different directions like more story-led directions and uh, the, adding different parts to the lore, having more cutscenes, having the aliens talk, which is always controversial to me because in the first <laughs> Halo, all the aliens just went and like um, would throw a grenade at you and go, and that was like all they did. So in the next game, where they were like, "I must go and defeat Master Chief" or whatever, I was just a bit like, <laughs> I was like, I thought these guys were just like Wally, so you kind of like attach grenades to and <laughs> ran out and ran over. Like- wondering the whole time i wonder what their deal is <laughs> yeah, exactly it's like you and the uh paper mario goombas matthew you're like oh oh yeah the psych- what is the psychology, psychology of the grunt <laughs> yeah psychology of a goomba is like uh, uh one of the matthew castle like bingo terms now <laughs> I, like, i've uh, said that at least 10 times over this <laughs> last year yeah oh amazing um so yeah that was uh, so when they start adding that stuff and like they start adding new enemy types that it's it's hard to remix that original halo formula because that first game arrived so complete i think but um we'll get into that when i rank the games but like um matthew i was wondering if you had any thoughts on what makes a great halo game and what you think the essence of the series is i think for me it's it's more down to like individual levels there's a certain level type which only halo really does or can do and my personal rankings of the games is sort of based on how many of those levels you get in the game and it's it's the semi open world mixture of sort of a vehicular and on foot combat which seems so specific to halo the famous example everyone always gives is silent cartographer but then you know there's there's many of these level types it's the sense of being in this huge world with this kind of amazing equipment and it's you in this equipment versus the massive world that's that's the side of it i'm i'm into i'm less into the kind of close quarters stuff like it always amazes me like f- for the classic it's considered I, d- I don't really like the first level of halo one for example the kind of the ship level which these games tend to open with you know i I am really only into the the outdoors when you've got lots of fun stuff. The kind of sandbox is what they always refer to it, isn't it? The combat sandbox. That's that's the stuff that sort of speaks to me. Just where you can make cinematic moments happen for yourself, which makes the obsession with the actual like in baked storytelling and cinematic ideas seem a bit false to me because you can make better stuff happen by yourself. There's, um, you know, the the I've mentioned this on the 2007 podcast, I think, but my favourite Halo level is the um, the level called The Covenant in Halo 3. That's the level that basically ends, almost ends with the two scarabs dropping from the sky into this massive battlefield. And you arrive at like a tank. There's like two flying vehicles off to the off to the right that you can get in as well. And then there's loads of like dudes driving around below. Um, they can go get in a mongoose, and like you can hop over a hill onto onto on top of one of the um, the scarabs, which are these giant kind of like walking tanks, basically. And 
that like is a perfect Halo set piece because I would just reload a checkpoint over and over again to see the different possibilities of how that could play out. Doing things mm. like can I get can I get one scarab to shoot the other one and blow it up? Spoiler alert, you can't. And then like <laughs> doing things like messing with the physics, where I'm like, okay, we managed to get this thing happening where if the scarab stood on you, then it could flip you into the sky, the top very top of the map, and then your vehicle would just like slowly collapse from the heavens back down onto the map and it, the, the game would just kind of go haywire and then playing that back in the um halo's like uh, video editor sort of software um, oh, and stuff like that stuff yeah, yeah that's yeah, it yeah. yeah yeah like that kind of stuff really that that's that is the essence of halo to me like that is my perfect idea of what halo looks like that's why i'm so excited about infinite because it's theoretically it's a whole open world kind of well or a series of open worlds i mean i'm not exactly sure how it's going to work until it's in my hands i've not been reading the previews of it but like that sounds like it could be a whole world of open halo sandboxes where you know mm-hmm. kind of chaos can happen and there's loads of vehicles and the the, the first story trailer they did uh, sorry the first campaign trailer they did uh this year just really really kind of like made me excited about the sort of the direction it's going in so i'm hoping it will kind of like um coalesce into my ideal halo experience because i agree with you like the story you know i i don't i don't mind like um halo being story focused i think uh, that's definitely like part of what people expect with the series but i agree like <clears throat> i'm at my least happy in halo when i'm in a corridor for like a long period of time or a series of tunnels and yeah. like i'm at my happiest when i'm outside and like this uh, basically a war happening around me that's like yeah because you know, yeah. inside there's always there's like a lot of repetition there's a lot of like architecture repeating because it's set in these weird sort of alien architecture where there is a lot of repetition in the design sort of intentionally and that stuff i just never really got the appeal of it like it just didn't feel like you had the options you have outside and i know some people have like an interesting relationship with this game in terms of like difficulty like there are some people who are just sort of like legendary or bust and i can't say like that's that's my relationship with these things i'd much rather have a cool time in some vehicles than feel like i'm being pushed in this like nightmare combat simulator you know it's funny because the original halo sums up that sort of like those two different styles of levels so well because you have the library which is the ultimate death corridor basically it's mm. like probably a level to bulk out the um the length of the story because halo is not a very long game and like um has a lot of level repetition as it is which i don't think like uh, uh, i could hold it against it massively i don't think it makes a difference but the library just it's basically the same thing over and over again lots of dark big rooms following a little blue thing around and then getting attacked by endless flood and you um just try and fend them off with a shotgun and it's kind of nightmarish on legendary difficulty but then by contrast like you say the silent cartographer is like the almost like a vertical slice of halo like a proof of concept of what halo should be do you know what i mean it's mm. like complete the objectives in the order you want you know here's a bunch of vehicles here's a battle on a beach that you, you arrive to and a load of cool little sandboxes to um to enjoy so yeah yeah i think that's um very astute and the first game just really sums up that very well but that all of the games have this balance to some extent i think the success of a halo game to me depends on how well it balances them i just think it, it should just be trying to delight you with set pieces all the time that's kind of how i see halo so mm. matthew before we get into ranking the campaigns then uh, do you have any thoughts on like Halo Wars or the kind of like any of the other sort of spin-off stuff? Like I, I was always quite fond of these games. I don't tend to play sort of strategy games, particularly real-time strategy games. Like, I'm not a very strategic person. 
Um, as anyone who's listened to any of our draft episodes will know, um, <laughs> strategy is not my strength. I, I get, I get what, why they're sort of semi-important and like what they achieve in terms of making them playable on on a console. Um, I, I played more of Halo Wars Two because I had success when I was on the Xbox channel when we were doing a lot of um, Halo Wars footage. So I, you know, the footage couldn't be terrible, and I was having to get my head around it. I sort of get the appeal in terms of. You get to see those battles from a slightly further out perspective. It's you know it's almost like having a bird's eye view on like classic Halo fights. Um, I ne- I never felt like what I played of them ever scaled up as fully as I'd want it to. You know, like in your head, you want to see just like a huge army clash with another army, and it, and it never really kicks off like that. I guess I guess to make it like manageable or workable on a console. Um, which is a shame. Like I feel like it doesn't take the the final sort of cinematic step is is what I'd want it to do, and 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 really like blow out the scale and just have hundreds of units on screen at the same time. But that's fine. People seem are they sort of rated by like strategy players? I don't really know. It's hard to say really because they they are made by the first one was made by Ensemble, the second one was made by Creative Assembly. I think that like there was a big trend of RTS games that were just based on licenses that like where you kind of there were big battles happening in the kind of like properties themselves so you wanted to see that happen on that larger scale and mm. halo followed in the footsteps of you know battle for middle earth and like star wars uh, empire at war and galactic battlegrounds in that respect like um people wanted to see that large scale halo conflict that gets hinted at in cutscenes and stuff when you're playing the game so yeah i, I don't know i think that, like they have a fan base basically and like um, they made the second one, I think, because it was like their most requested sequel, uh, Microsoft. I think that's what they said at the time. So um, yeah, must have been some fans of it. But yeah, I take your point, Matthew. I keep forgetting that you're not an RTS guy. I feel like there's been so many podcasts now where I've asked you, do you like this RTS? And you go, <laughs> I don't like RTS games. And then I keep bringing it up. We did a uh, really mad press event for, oh, actually, I think it was an influencer event for um, Halo Wars 2, where it was... For, for the presenters on the channel it was like set up that they were in either a ship on the battlefield or maybe they were in a ship looking down on the battlefield and they were playing like halo wars uh two in in this sort of like ship which they designed to look like an actual like hey it was like walking into a like halo level but like as they got hit in the game like bits of the set would like collapse and spray smoke at them and stuff it was pretty cool but at the same time i was like i'm so glad it isn't me playing because I was so bad at the game. I don't know that they would have taken into account me being that bad. I don't know <laughs> if the set would have been able to like disintegrate it enough. <laughs> they had a cool like card based multiplayer mode for Halo Wars Two as well. I remember I only ever played it at a press event, but I remember I met the designer of it, and he was so so smart. And it was like a really cool idea for a mode. Like yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember the thing I mean? Like it was like you summoned units to the battlefield it was it was like a hold three checkpoints thing and Mm. as you held checkpoints i think you got the resources to to play more cards yeah yeah. and you were basically trying to play like your hero card if you were the covenant was like a scarab would turn up or something and it would just be like game over for everyone yeah that that's the bit of halo wars 2 i played the most of for sure side note like (laughs) i asked the designer of that game about that mode about 40 questions because i went to 343 industries for a um press event for halo wars 2 back when i was on pc gamer and like i found out he also worked on alien isolation so there was an entire dinner where I was basically just pelting him with questions about alien isolation and making this Halo Wars mode. And like, uh, yeah, that was um, I'm sure that wasn't fun for him, but I had a great time, so that was good. Um, 
yeah, th- I suppose I should talk about that, actually. Yeah, 343 Industries, they have, like, a Halo museum in their studio. So I walked oh, around right. that, like, you know, replicas of the armor, all the different guns and stuff like that. And um, that was quite good. But the more surreal part of that trip was they were in this town that was, like, felt like a kind of tech town. Like, it was, there was, like, a shopping mall right next to the studio. And it was, like, empty on a Friday morning. And it was, like, I couldn't sleep. And I woke up at, like, 4 a.m., and I went for a walk around this town. And it was incredibly strange. Like, Twilight Zone-style place. It didn't feel like a natural place. It's all in the Pacific Northwest, like, uh, near Bellevue. This is like Microsoft's, you know, big kind of territory, basically. And it feels like an entire town just built for, like, the tech people around there. And, like, mm. maybe su- maybe subsidized by these tech companies. Because it didn't function like a normal town. And I walked to the edge of the edge of town which didn't take long it was like it took me 10 minutes to walk from one side to the other basically and there was just like these barriers uh stopping the roads and anyone from going down this big road out of town and i thought am i in silent hill right now it was very very surreal yeah it sounds like one division <laughs> yeah it was a bit like that um just very surreal an entire shop outdoor shopping mall there were like about eight people in a starbucks and no one else and like all the shops yeah. were open it was really weird but uh, yeah. anyway, side note there. The Haley Museum was cool, though. Yep, that was a, that was one hell of a tangent. So now, Matthew, I think we should just get to ranking the Halo campaigns. Do you have any further thoughts on Halo before we kick off? On the 343 thing, I always thought that was a really interesting, like, happening. You know, obviously in losing Bungie, they basically build a studio to make Halo. I guess in a similar way that they kind of built Turn 10 to make racing games it felt like that was their solution like if we don't have it we can just build it and it's interesting seeing like just keep at it and stick through it and all the kind of weird highs and lows they've had to deal with and hopefully like halo infinite will be a bit of a crowning glory for them finally i I dealt with them quite a lot when i was on oxm because it was halo 5 kind of time yeah um i also edited a massive halo bookazine and as you can guess from this episode, I'm probably not the person to build a 130-page <laughs> celebration of Halo. I interviewed five of them at the same time, I think, over the phone. Oh, right. <laughs> I did like an hour and a half interview with 343, which was wow. like, it was the same five that they'd interviewed like just before they made Halo 4. So it was kind of like a before and after interview. And, you know, whatever you think of their actual individual games, like, they're super, super passionate. They're just massive, massive Halo fans. You know, maybe why they took a bit of time to find their feet, because they kind of populated it with Halo nerds who kind of were maybe too protective of it. But we can get into all that, I guess. Yeah, their games definitely have their merits, for sure. And like you say, you know, Bungie moves off of the series after Halo Reach, goes to make Destiny. And then, yeah, like, um, it's, it's a it's a... Yeah, it was a big weight, I'm sure, on them to like continue that series. So um, mm. I'm really pleased to see that Halo Infinite seems to be that that game that, like you say, crowning glory. It's a good way of putting it. So in this ranking, I'm not going to talk about the multiplayer modes, but some stray multiplayer thoughts actually. That was like even when um, Halo Five was having like a bumpy time on Xbox, the multiplayer was really fucking good in that game. Like the mm. um, the Warzone mode just felt like it was doing everything that. I kind of want to, I always dreamed Halo could do in multiplayer just in terms of scale and mm. it was just like it was cool to see that 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 part of it even if the campaign was maybe more contentious that that part of it remained like sort of incredibly popular with players and um that's the other thing about 343's games they've always looked fucking amazing too so uh yeah that's a side note there um, yeah, but Halo it's, 5, it's yeah. pre battle royale isn't it yeah it is yeah. yeah weird period for games it's like the tail end of the cod 
like ruling the roost and mm. then this new thing comes along and they're kind of like the i guess the halfway house you know like a big open world map but not battle royale weird time yeah it was a bit strange wasn't it yeah and then like i feel like there's also because destiny was happening at that time too there was like these you know there were live servicey games that were more like pve stuff and then halo was kind of an outlier and halo has always remained an outlier in that respect i think it's just even mm. now like it's not like battlefield it's not like apex it's not like warzone it's just it's very much its own beast all these years later so mm. um yeah good stuff let's kick off then matthew so I've ranked the um the, the seven games in total. I've ranked them all here. It's a pretty predictable list, but we can fire through them. So we're starting with the one that I've got the spottiest memory of, which is Halo 4. That's uh, number seven on my list. So oh. this was the first 343 game. It um, introduced like forerunner enemies to the game. That in- that included like there's like the, uh, this angel thing, this dog thing, and this ball <laughs> thing. And like those were like... Those were like uh, they didn't quite feel exactly Halo-ish um, at the time. They felt like I think that they had to do something to make it feel different to like not just be the Covenant and the Flood over and over again, which mm. you know Halo had definitely got into that pattern. And so you know I fully respected the fact that they tried to do something quite different. This also looked phenomenal for an Xbox 360 game. Like this basically looks like an Xbox One game. And when you play the um, master chief collection you can really see that it's just phenomenal looking so the um the tech they built for it was really good but um yeah admittedly i didn't think it quite had the pace of halo the levels felt very long and i don't think it quite had those like one minute bursts of like absolute kind of like amazing action it didn't have anything really like the um two scarab set piece i mentioned earlier it was kind of like Mm. lots of protracted battles and uh, it just yeah it didn't entirely feel like halo to me but um matthew i wonder do you have any thoughts on this one like i say spottiest memory for me i quite like halo 4 i'd I'd probably put it above halo 5 for for myself i don't think the prometheans are like amazing enemies like they're they're weirdly kind of hit the glowing weak spot a lot of their designs but I will take them over the Flood. I fucking hate the Flood, and I think the Prometheans are a better, like, second threat than, than them. And, yeah, you're right. It did look, it looked absolutely amazing. Like, the, the, the Promethean architecture is, like, I- incredible. So even if the levels are a bit more linear, you are constantly like, wow, this just looks awesome. You're right to put it near the bottom... I, I would maybe tussle with five over this, but this there may be a bit of recency bias here. But um, mm. yeah, that's uh, I I agree with you. Like I think it was like it's the one I'm due a replay of. Really, like um, I've been playing through them all again with my um, my buddy Jay, who came on the Sonic episode. We've been um, enjoying that. So yeah, Halo Four I think is next up on our list. So we will get mm. we will get through it. But um, yeah, this is the one I played the longest to go of these. Really, but like um, Halo Four, yeah, just didn't didn't quite have the stickiness of the other games like didn't yeah. make me want to replay them and that's like a massive part of the what makes a great halo single player it's just the urge to kind of play a level again see how it pans out it didn't quite have that magic but i agree it was a valiant first effort i think mm. the um prometheans are, are a lot like destiny enemies they're like um like you say glowing weak spots maybe make me think of the vex a little bit just like mm. yeah hit this bright thing and then try and take it out you got like a moment to to hit it before you know it kind of closes up and that those sorts of um types of combat challenges you know yeah it just feels like a lot of the fights in that game are like stay really far away and snipe out the prometheans and then you go in it doesn't it, it doesn't have quite the same variety the prometheans are a bit uncompromising closer up is my memory of it so my number six is uh halo 5 so you know halo 5 guardians this is the one i've played the most recently i played it this year for the first time the uh pro- the campaign for this 
nice Game Pass edition there. Enjoyed mm. firing through that. Um, I actually thought this was a lot better than people said it was, and I think in the second half it loses it loses the what I was enjoying about it, which is it almost reminded me of like Doom twenty sixteen. It was just really like frantic busy enemy encounters and like actually the enemies were quite tough and like pushed on you really hard and there would be like waves of them and it was quite there was like a few moments like that i was like oh i'm I'm getting a slightly doom feel from this and it really helps that the frame rate it's like it's like 60 frames on xbox one and like looked amazing and um, those weird enemies in the distance that move at half the frame rate oh yeah that is weird yeah yeah um (laughs) The, f- the funny thing is, though, that like I-, I think that what they did here that I don't think Halo 4 had as much is they, they really cracked like what the guns should feel like. And the Promethean guns are- were really good. Like the um, mm. Promethean shotgun felt really, really nice. And I think that they they got that working well. And I think they got the experience of like ripping the Prometheans apart, hitting their weak spots and killing them. Like I think they were like way better at that in this one. They're much more exciting enemies to fight. They're like, they're more agile and interesting, very aggressive. Um, they're not like perfect, but I think that like the combination of refined gun feel and, be- and, and better enemies is why I like this one. I think they got rid of the ball enemy as well, which I appreciated. Um, did you have any <laughs> thoughts on this one, Matthew? In my head, this is the game that just, just where Halo like vanishes up its own lore hole. Like it, really got bogged down in the overarching story and it was part of like a multimedia kind of cross-media project you know there was like a spin-off smaller tv show about Locke. there were comic books you know they've always had the books there's always been supporting material but this one felt like you actually had to like engage with all this bullshit to just understand the basic setup of the game which was like master chief versus this other not very good master chief played by luke cage <laughs> I think you're right, like, the actual mechanically, fine, I really like the multiplayer in this, but I felt like this was on the story level and how much the story was there, like, there were, there were literally, like, like the the classic Naughty Dog, like, walk around a level, talking to people levels in this, like, there are static, combat-free story environments, and I thought, this is just a game which is really misunderstood, this is, this is what happens when you build a studio of Halo fans, and they're just like, well, everyone loves this shit, right? And you're like, no, not really. You know, I, I think they were just, they got a bit high on their own supply. I would say that the talkie sections are so brief, Matthew. They last for about two minutes. They are the exact opposite of what you want in a Halo game. They're like, remember him from ODST? Here he is doing his stick. And you're like, oh, fucking yeah, okay. If you're not into the Halo story, this is definitely the most like egregious one to play i think i think like a, an important like question to ask here matthew is are you not interested in nathan fillion that's like my question to you here <laughs> oh, I, yeah i like him enough but not as but like buck is hardly a classic character he's right? not but I, I just feel very comforted by hearing nathan fillion like um it's <laughs> yeah. why i liked the, the the later destiny expansions i just like i, I don't know the just the, the mere presence of him reassures me <laughs> to my very core. bonus fillion point <laughs> yeah basically yeah i think so um so yeah it's 10 I, out of 10 for fillion um <laughs> it, i'll tell you what i i really love the opening bit of music to this uh there's a there's a bit of music where they sort of jump out of this uh, in this cutscene. they sort of jump out of this ship and then slide down this mountain and it plays this like it's like someone banging on church bells it's really really good there's also a set piece in this that made me think they've really they'd really rediscovered the kind of like magic of halo which is 
you fly into like a big structure and blow up its core then have to fly out again like a kind of Death Starry sort of thing it's quite um brief it might be a, like a big moving walker thing I don't remember the exact details now but like you just like have to fly in on a banshee and then leave again oh, that big, having blown yeah, up. Yeah, it's 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 like a mega scarab almost. Yeah, yeah, that is. I think that is what it is. Yeah, and like that, just thought, oh fuck, that was like a real magical Halo moment of like big set piece nonsense, and that was really really good. A few of the vehicle sections are quite good in this. There's like one where you have to kind of like fly through the entire map, basically opening different doors and taking out enemies, and like that. That really worked for me too. Um, again, I remember no story details of any of this, so I can't give you any more context. But <laughs> do, like, do you remember I, having having to fight the Warden Eternal ten times? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, <laughs> it made me think about the idea of like I think like they were originally going to do one big sister in Bioshock Two, but then realised that like fighting the same enemy but a boss but never killing them was too frustrating as a player. But in this game, you would do that over and over again, and it was like, yep. He's fucked off again. Guess we'll see him later. And then at the end, be like, finally. Yeah, I mean, the clue's in the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I, but I, I actually did think, I thought this was better than Halo 4. And like, I didn't okay. even think it was much of a competition for me. And again, I think a lot of it just comes down to gun feel. I think the fact that you have the NPCs um, kind of companions with you makes the fights feel larger scale as well. Uh, I think it loses the thread of it a bit towards the end. I liked um, uh, sort of like... Uh, sort of how do uh, like kind of roping uh down that giant evangelion style sort of robot thing that was pretty cool like i think you were just kind of like rushing down it and shooting enemies that was really cool oh yeah 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 re- repelling that's the word i'm looking for that was good um so yeah i don't know i think there was a few there were a few moments in there that just uh, there were like real highlights and so i think that like i just sort of felt like they were getting closer and closer to what great halo is and now six years later i'll get to see like what they can do with all that time and, you know, the power of some nice new Xbox hardware. And, mm. um, uh, you know, having given that Craig guy a beard so people stop making memes about him. Um, <laughs> that's good. So uh, my, number, my number five is Halo 2. Again, another predictable one. So this is a game this that lacks... Low. A- I thought you were going to put this higher. Well, I mean, if, if you think about the remaining ones in the list, like it kind of makes sense that it's here, I yeah, think. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. I thought my controversial take was Halo 2 isn't quite as good as the others, but obviously not. No, I, I, I think that's a fairly commonly held belief because it feels oh. very brisk. Like it's a, it's a game that ends when it feels like its third act is about to begin. Um, yeah, it's just very, very short. And I know this is uh, this. There was an interesting Halo oral history, I think on Vice a few years ago where they talked about just how, what a rush to finish this was and a tough game to make. And um, I think all of the best parts of this game happen in like old and new Mombasa City at the start. The city sequences, I think, are what people remember from this. Partly because when they did the first E3 reveal of this and they showed off like a whole section of vehicle combat, that kind of burned into people's brains as like the kind of platonic ideal of what Halo is. It was just a lot of people still in the YouTube comments of that are like, I remember this video and I've still always wanted to Halo to be this. And it cast mm. a long shadow. And so when the actual game came out, the most exciting thing for me was just going over that fucking gigantic bridge in a tank shooting down banshees in the tank. Yeah. Like That's like the best part of this game for me. Um, you know, controlling a scarab later, or being on a scarab later on, maybe that was, that was, that was fine. But like, I think it just... It felt like it was going to be this like big second act, and then it wasn't as much. And I wasn't admittedly a big into like the law stuff of aliens talking and the arbiter, and right. like like I say, just like being uh, we must eliminate the human beings and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> like just yeah, and like um, very wrinkly looking guys and like floating uh, sort of chairs, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. But here's the thing, Matthew. What I will say about Halo Two, 
So I think it's a seven, the campaign. But I think Halo 2 Anniversary is an eight. Because the art pass they did for that anniversary edition of the Master Chief Collection is fucking unbelievable. It is an unreal effort. Like an amazing facelift where these very grey boxy levels, particularly in the second half are, like, given so much colour, vibrancy, and, like, a, like a, a soundscape that made them incredibly atmospheric. And it was, like, levels that I remember, I don't remember at all, just being these kind of grey, boring pits. They made look like the fires of hell. And it was just <laughs> amazing. It was, like, a, a proper example of, like, what amazing artists can do to elevate a game. Did you play the Anniversary Edition? Yeah, that was part of the Master Chief Collection, right? Yeah, it was like the centerpiece of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it probably didn't help that I don't have a huge relationship with the with the original, but yeah, it looked nice. It had those absurdly good-looking cutscenes as well. Yeah, for sure. The Xbox One really struggled to uh, to show without like fucking falling over, basically. But like, um, yeah, like uh, I think it's good because it really future-proofs this game. Like the past they did for Halo Anniversary was really good, but like this was like next-level stuff, and that was three four three as well. And it's like. Fair play. I thought, you know, I just thought it really elevated Halo 2 as an experience. It, it made it feel fresh and and worthwhile. Um, so yeah, just a big shout out there to, to the art, the art pass because I just think it made a massive difference. So um, yeah, Halo 2 though, Matthew. Any more thoughts? I just did. I just didn't think this like reached the highs of the first game at all. That was kind of my disappointment at the time. You know, the first time I played it was in the Master Chief Collection. It was a bit of a shrug from me in terms of like, oh, okay, you know fine like i know that most people love it because of the multiplayer and it's like the game that introduces everyone to xbox live and i get that the actual campaign you're right like the bit i remember is going along that bridge on the tank but that's quite near the start and isn't there a bit in the jungle with lots of snipers as well uh, i feel like there's a bit like that in all halo games like um, yeah oh, well yeah, yeah. I, I yeah i couldn't i couldn't tell you a huge amount about the rest of it when we would when me and my mate donald would replay it we would only do the city bits basically it'd be like right let's get in a tank and go fuck up some covenant and that was it basically nice so um yeah and like, like i said it just it just ends very abruptly and you kind of want that next uh level of escalation which i think um other games do a lot better so yeah halo 2 i I think it's kind of a minnow but justifiably so Mm. and um yeah that's absolutely fine with me so Mm -hmm. my number four is halo 3 odst so for a lot of people this game which is like a standalone spin-off uh i think it was like maybe it was meant to be dlc for halo 3 at some point and then it got kind of rolled into its own game uh budget price game and um came out in 2009 so this was quite different in the sense that like you were landing in this city you were basically trying to find out what happened to your squad mates your these kind of shock troopers who just landed from the sky in this city you find their helmets and then kind of like hear their stories sort of play out basically and the stories take the form of like more traditional halo levels um but the um overarching kind of like uh sort of uh, the, i guess like the the wrapping of the entire game is this sort of like kind of open world driving around this city at night and um kind of like taking on smaller squads of covenant while this kind of like quite jazzy sort of music plays bit of a (laughs) bit different stylistically and i think that a lot of people will say like this is their favorite halo game or whatever it's definitely not the best like it, it just isn't the set pieces aren't up there but as a kind of like contrast to the formula it always made me think about what else you could do with halo as a kind of template because Mm. what's interesting about this in terms of your power as a player is you're a regular guy rather than a spartan so you run out of breath and like you know you when you're damaged and stuff like that you feel very fragile compared to master chief Mm. and i think that was really interesting it made for a really really good firefight uh horde mode in this 
um this is the first game with firefight i think they did mm. it really well really enjoyed playing that in uh, two player so yes um Halo 3 dst matthew do you have any thoughts on this one the thing i played most was the firefight also i i always found the weakness of the character a little bit frustrating like i remember this being quite hard or not not making particularly good progress in it and finding some of the map a little confusing it's quite a story heavy entry again if they are going to expand their story and expand their universe i'd rather they did it in games like this than asking you to buy lots of novels and comics and watch not very good hulu series a a little overrated in how people talk about like the atmosphere of the thing i think you're right about the music but it's 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 quite like low-key almost too low-key for for what i wanted from halo or or the, the you know considering the stuff i like in halo is the ridiculous overblown bullshit um, this is the exact opposite of that. It does kind of reach that next level, level though, when it comes to um, set pieces towards the end. It takes a little while, but it gets there. And it does give you these snapshots of, like, you know, what happened in this part of the city and stuff like that that give you, like, a short burst of that. Um, admittedly, like, the overall kind of, like, exploring the city, it, like you say, low-key, that is the way to put it. It's, um, But it looks real nice. This looks not real nice in the Master Chief Collection, too. There's, like, um, as the sun's gradually coming up in the sky in the city, it's, like just looks lovely this kind of like neon-y uh, slightly blade runnery city i suppose and mm. um the music stuff is like is re- it is good music it is meant to be kind of noiry detective music and mm. like you say it's a good template for halo stories I-, I really wish i don't think there's any reason for microsoft to make a game like this now it's just not mm. we're not in the age of like the four-hour campaign shooter really but like i'd love this as a kind of like if they did a kind of a one year later with you know halo infinite they did something like this a kind of side story that lasted for x amount of time or whatever i think this is the sort of thing i dig so um i feel like the sort of the more almost episodic storytelling that they do with the little missions that you dip into feels like they kind of do that better with reach in a you know a more kind of complete campaign but i'm sure we'll get to that We'll get to that right now, Matthew, as we get to my number three, which is Halo Reach. This is the one I've come around on the most, actually. At the time, I didn't really think much of Halo Reach, but I mentioned it on the 2010 podcast. But I've, I've replayed this a bunch in recent years, and I think that it's like it's definitely top tier Halo. There are three games that are top tier Halo to me. This is one of them. And like it doesn't have that kind of like two scarabs sandboxy moment, but like it. It, it has really, really good set-piece design, like confident set-piece design. Mm. At this time where set-piece design was almost like an arms race because COD was doing stuff like, you know, um, sort of that infamous airport sequence and, you mm. know, um, just like uh, chasing fucking Lance Henriksen down a river in a boat away being shot at by helicopters and all this stuff. And, like, I think that, you know, as as those kind of scripted set-pieces were were sort of like dominating halo kind of had their own sort of like spin on it and reach has a whole bunch of like um good ass moments that are like this where you know i've said this before but the tone tone of this game i love you know it's a battle that you're going to lose you know that the fall of reach is a big thing that happens in halo lore even if you're not massively connected to the story of halo that's something you're aware of as a fan and so you have this very bleak sense that like your spartans your group of spartans are going to fail and they're not going to get off this planet um one of them does actually in the end spoiler alert but um i don't know what happened to them in the end i'm sure it's in a novel somewhere but um anyway (laughs) so there's a bunch of levels i like in this one there's um there's one that starts off with a a set piece of like you see like basically 
like hundreds of warthogs going into battle and then you kind of like go into battle and have to take out these turrets that's a really good that's a really good level i quite like the one where you're underground and you have to like set up these turrets to deal with like oncoming waves of enemies where you're protecting this dr halsey character and i've mentioned this before but my favorite level is the one where you're flying between skyscrapers going into like nightclubs and other kind of buildings clearing out covenant but in the background you basically just see this giant covenant ship like absolutely icing the city and it's really depressing and um, as it goes on the the city is more and more on fire Uh, meanwhile you're shooting down banshees from the sky um, doing aerial combat which i always love in halo so yeah reaches reaches top tier stuff and um, the final set piece is you're kind of like basically there to see the pillar of autumn off and starts the um, original halo storyline that's really really good as well because obviously it ends with the um, the sequence of like your dude just has to survive for as long as possible on the planet Mm. before dying but i never managed to last longer than 20 seconds which made me feel like such a fucking loser where it's like (laughs) this guy died heroically and it's like no i think a grunt just fucking exploded with like four grenades attached to him and like killed him within like 10 seconds of the first firefight and it's like i don't really feel like this (laughs) mythical warrior you know Um, yeah it didn't mention this in the novelization <laughs> i think this is actually the best combination of like storytelling and set piece design in the halo yeah. series yeah this is where that those things coalesce really nicely because the story is so straightforward it's not like yeah. forerunner kind of like you know alien race stuff it's just like our planet is fucked and we have to try and survive that's it you know you're right this is like a, a sort of sort of a response to call of duty and the kind of cinematic shooter but kind of done honestly you know, it's not fake, it's not on the rails, it, you know, it still gives you a space to kind of play in and you have to kind of pull it off. And when you have the vehicle sections, they're proper vehicle sections, which COD never, re- you know, ever, ever really did. Yeah, I, I really like the balance of this one. I thought this was great. Yeah, I love as well that it opens with like this uh, quite tentative, tense level of like, you're kind of, you've just found out that the Covenant are basically already there. And you're kind of, it's a bit like, it's, just, it's very quiet and a bit eerie and like mm. um yeah you just you discover the enemies are there and just basically this bad situation gets worse and worse really really effective so um yeah i love halo reach all these years later but um yes a bit in the so, spaceship as well that's quite fun yeah absolutely which the that entire sequence they um that you know i could i could have had a whole game of that maybe i'm alone in that but i love fucking flying spaceships around and um yeah, it was uh, it was real good fun. You get 20, 20 minutes of Star Fox to punctuate the rest of your Halo experience. But yeah. <laughs> this is always worth a replay. It's one of the three sixty ones that looks the best on like PC and um, modern Xbox platforms as well. Just like um, it doesn't look as good as Halo Four, but it's it's still a still a nice looking game. So my number two, Matthew, Halo Three. Ooh, so okay. yep. So this has like the here's the thing. I think this is probably this has the best moments of the entire series, like bar none. But I don't think it's like as consistent as my number one. So, mm-hmm. Halo Three like has like you know the two scab sequence like we say, but it's got like loads of high points where you're just you know you're you're in vehicles fighting like in these mini sandboxes fighting the Covenant. There's an earlier scab set piece as well in this. It's really really good on like the side of like a hill. Uh, there's like a like a base, and um, that's it's 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 really good fun to play in two player. It also ends with an amazing kind of like kind of a throwback to halo one where you basically just have to escape in a warthog from all these collapsing platforms just a really kind of rad um sort of linear set piece that can go wrong in all all kinds of different ways because of the wacky physics of halo just like accidentally driving a warthog into the abyss great fun in two player that so i think all the high points are here it has like other bits that are like not as good like the um 
there's like a, a level where like you're basically in an alien butt and then like oh there's... jesus cortana that is yes. the worst halo level by a by a long way i think that's why i couldn't make it number one because oh, i think this is... fuck that level like, who think you're like oh this is so majestic i know let's have a level in an anus <laughs> just bad bad idea yeah there's loads of stuff this ads though that's like this game adds that like that makes like halo more fun like adding the um the uh, hammer is it the um just a like really powerful melee attack that does aoe damage just great fun using that thing one of the most fun weapons to like twat a mate on the back of the head with in um, co-op like um, which i did to my friend andrew fucking endlessly he is so used to that happening um that he just he would just like quietly resign um his fate when i got hold of one and was just fucking running after him with uh, with no subtlety whatsoever that's really good but yeah like um just really this is halo at its best and um yeah cortana just lets it down a little bit but there's also there's a couple of levels in this that are just like not not like amazing and the, the, um, the opening's not a thriller either i don't think no it's kind of it kind of takes a little while to get going i think it, it takes until you're in these big sandboxy set pieces for it to feel like it's um this deluxe halo experience but yeah they're not it's not particularly memorable in the first i would say first two or three levels it takes it probably takes yeah, to get, you get going once you, there's that level you sort of get onto the motorway in the warhogs then it suddenly picks up i think yeah exactly yeah it's just yeah set pieces that's just what they're good at um still has like uh, all these bits where for no reason there are these bollards in place so you can't like take your vehicle into like the next section of the game and they're like oh this is the on foot bit and i'm like no all i want to do is fucking drive a warthog through this entire level <laughs> right um it's also yeah yeah it's but but really really good um it also added a few enemy types i wasn't massive on like the um the little flying motherfuckers and halo they do nothing for me mm. but um i always accept that halo is a hard enemy it's a hard game to add enemies to because the, the dynamic of the enemies in the original game is just so so good but um mm. any more thoughts on halo 3 matthew the scarabs are like all-time amazing amazing all, like all the scarab fights are just a treat in this yeah up until then those kind of set pieces would just have to be baked in and here they're happening like in real time and that's that's pretty astonishing if anything the only bummer is that there's no like no one else does this in this generation like it doesn't or ever really like there's not yeah. there's not like a, there's never like a wave of halo likes where people are like do you no. know what i want to do i want to make a game that's got like basically set pieces like this in every single level it happens yeah. here and there's still like nothing else like it and it's um, like loads of cod likes a couple of half-life likes no halo likes it's it's, it's just like, i don't know if it's just deemed untouchable in a way yeah for sure uh, this has a, this has a motherfuckers in a forest level as well, Matthew Sierra one one seven. That's like there's it's a big like motherfuckers around like waterfalls and trees level. Um, so I think oh, Halo yeah. Halo loves doing this. I think, but um, yeah, the Covenant is the best bit. But like, even the Covenant ends with like you having to run down a tunnel of flood. It does have the flood yeah. in it, Matthew. I like the level. I think it's the arc where you're in all the tanks. And yeah. it's and as you keep blowing up bigger things, and the and the guy in the car keeps saying, you know, it's, it's the famous tank beats this, tank beats whatever, and then you fight the scarab, and it's a nice kind of like vast feeling level. That it's like yeah. uh, it's, it's like it is mostly linear, but just going around like like a you know this gigantic environment in a vehicle, just that's that's pure Halo. So. um Yep, that's good. Also, the one thing I do like about the um, flood in this one, because obviously there's a generational shift, they could show one of those little flood things attaching to an enemy and then like kind of like edit coming to life as a flood. That was really rad to watch. Like it was gross, but like 
you would just see this little parasite take over the dead body of this covenant and I thought oh it's cool they were able to do that you know because you never get to see it in um, <laughs> the original Halo I sound like a right sick fuck there don't I but um, yeah okay <laughs> so move on to my number one then Matthew the very predictable Halo combat evolved many people may disagree with this like I say I think the best moments in in the Halo series are in Halo 3 but um, I, I don't think it's as consistent a game as the uh, the original Halo I know people hate the library. I don't mind the library. It's um, it's kind of like a bit. I see it's a big combat challenge. It's not my favourite level in, uh, of um of uh, the game at all, but I really liked it. I think here this just had like it was just a complete feeling campaign. It has t- two levels where the map is basically flipped: assault on the control room and two betrayals. Uh, the second time you go through it, it's like darker and snowier, but. They are massive maps and they are like the pure essence of Halo sort of sandbox nonsense. Just like they finally let you get in a Banshee in two betrayals and fly around. That was really, really cool. You could you had this had this kind of like land and air combat at the same time. And then like um it would be the mo- it would be the toughest in terms of enemies as well, because you'd have a mix of flood and covenant in two betrayals. Um but the first time you go through assault in the control room is really good too, because you have like a at multiple points you get squads of marines with you and they are like pure cannon fodder but like it's really cool to just go onto a battlefield and see a bunch of npcs shooting at each other like that yeah, wasn't yeah, something yeah. i felt like i didn't feel like that was in games at all at that time and like i felt mm. like i saw it here first um and obviously they have all these uh, really silly voice actors as well that make make them seem like kind of a whole range of bill paxton in aliens where you're like <laughs> right. i, I, I kind of want to see these guys die and like <laughs> And then also just starting a fight with them and seeing if you can survive um, and seeing can I kill all four, all four people. If I hop out of this tank and just hit it with a rocket, will it kill all four of my guys at once? And um, yeah, I just love that you could like, basically, if you just killed one of them, they would all just turn on you. I thought, ah, oh, God, this game is so good. Um, I like that the two things you've highlighted in this episode is really liking are when the flood disgustingly take over corpses and killing <laughs> your friends. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, but what you know what I really like about Halo uh, Combat Evolved that I don't think the other ones have is it's really bleak. Like it's like got a much bleaker tone. Like when you get to the end of the game, you are basically the only survivor. You escape in this ship from the Halo Ring, which is, you know, the, the Pillar of Autumn has been destroyed. You watch Captain Keys, your guy get fucking turned into, like, flood mush. You see his face, like, in the side of a Halo, so, like, a side of a flood kind of, like, egg or whatever it is. Like, a, just <laughs> just really, really gross. And, like, the game, the game starts with you crashing on this planet and everyone else in your escape pod fucking dies. And it's, like, mm. it's just always really bleak. And like later games become a bit more like hoorah sci-fi adventure, and yeah, I much prefer the idea of like you don't know how dark this is going to be because the flood stuff is is quite dark. You have that whole first-person sequence where you find the helmet and then you see the flood unleashed, basically, and it's kind of like found footage, sort of like horror moment. And I just don't think the other games lean into horror at all, really. Like this one does. This has got like uh, the level where you discover the flood. It's like basically like, there are these trees that are clearly infected by the flood these like pulsating green yellow trees and like um it's really really sinister so yeah oh long-winded matthew but that's why i think halo one's the best one it's bleak but also has some fucking amazing set pieces any thoughts for, for my money i'd probably put halo 3 above it just because i think it has the couple of best 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 halo levels in it but everything it builds on kind of is here so you're you're definitely right you know, maybe because I just don't have that nostalgic connection with it, it doesn't feel quite as absolutely essential. But I did, you know, when I played it uh, for the first time in the 
a sort of anniversary edition you know i was i was really impressed at like how well it held up and just how it worked i just but at that point you know i felt like oh yeah this is a bit like a simpler halo 3 well i think that just that's a lot of people right because you know a loads in that second the next generation with the 360 loads more people had xboxes so probably a lot of people discovered this in retrospect after playing halo 3 because halo 3 was so just mega hyped you know i think a lot of people were discovering that retroactively you're right but like um Mm. i think for me it was just because like say because i was there at the start with it uh, playing it in like 2002 and like we played this game over and over again and like um it's a game that is it's like meaningfully different as a challenge because of the difficulty settings when you replay it like right legendary mode is one of it's one of the only times i've ever refinished a game on like the hardest difficulty um mm. and like i and i only did it because it was it was fun to have the challenge of doing it the thing they do with the legendary difficulty setting is that like right at the end when you have to escape in um escape from the exploding pillar of autumn in the um in the warthog you get one minute less than you do in the other modes to escape and mm. it comes down to like microseconds shaving off the time <laughs> basically if you just fuck up driving once you have to just restart the checkpoint and go again. And like, um, I, I just, and when I did it, I think I did it with like three seconds left. It's just like bombing it to the final, to the uh, to the ship and getting out of there and just like loads of enemies amassing on you. Just really thrilling stuff. And like, I think just because I've played it over and over again, all of that stuff is embedded in my brain. And just like, I, yeah, I just have that fundamental adoration of it from just playing it over and over again so um yeah i can totally see why this wouldn't be the number one of someone coming to halo like now or even like you know 15 years ago you know mm. so i get it i think um i think you a lot of people agree with you that halo 3 is the but, best one uh, yeah it's it's close like they're they're all i think you're right about your top three being like the three which are just a noticeably a step up yeah for sure and like you know i i i, I want to make more halo games i want them to be like loads more i mean there's been six years between halo 5 and halo infinite yeah. like it was never meant to be that long obviously but like i you know i loved that the 360 era where it felt like you were getting a halo every year for a while like that was very exciting it's, it's not a series i mind having yearly iterations of because it's very different to other first person shooters in, in terms of like how each one each one is a little bit different i think like um one and three probably have the most in common um Mm. four and four and five have a bit in common too of course but like but they are all quite different from each other reach is very different from halo 3 and um Mm. and halo 1 and um halo 2 is very much its own thing as well so it's funny it's not it's not a series that ever bores me with repetition because i feel like it's maybe the most open to interpretation of the different first person shooter franchises like people latch on to different things and like different things and then the games pull in different directions based on what they think it is that people want to see um Mm. So, you know, that's something that 343 has obviously been wrestling with. But now it looks like they've come back around to pulling in the direction of things I like, which is, you know, that sandbox design and, like you say, emergent set pieces. It's always been the funny thing because, I've you know, every time I've interviewed them, you know, it was largely in the run up to five. They were saying the right stuff. You know, basically what they liked was the stuff that we said we liked at the start of this episode. You know, they were talking about the silent cartographer in the sense of being on this like larger landmass with vehicles and the sandbox nature and then they never really lent into that in four or five like they were just a lot more like linear they were almost like too pretty like they were more interested in like fidelity than scale though they did it you're right you've you've reminded me of a couple of times that they did they did that well in five definitely so they've always talked a good game i've just i've never really felt like they've made the game they've they've talked up Mm. um 
but this definitely like you know the flavor of it the fact that this infinite you know is set on a halo ring it just ha- you know it, everything is set up for it to be be that game and return to that even after this last round of previews i don't really understand the structure of the game or like how open world it actually is or or really what what the hell the game is at all but i'm um, you know i'm super intrigued um yeah I'll need it in my hands, but you know it's on. It's yeah, just, the fact it's just on Game Pass and I can just play it. That's yeah. exciting. Um, and it, even if it's like not to the same standard as, as like the Halo games that I've put very high in this list, there will still be a multiplayer that I know is extremely good and um, yeah. has like a potentially long and healthy future. So yeah, I think I think they're in a good position to su- succeed. I hope it's um, I hope it's good. Also, just like you know, we're sort of bereft of really good single player shooter campaigns these days and i just yeah. i want to see one done really well with a fuck ton of money spent on it <laughs> the other thing the other thing is because they've gone with like the brutes as an enemy type instead of the um the Prethians, i much prefer the brutes like they're you know they're not quite classic halo enemies but they give you an excuse to have you know classic covenant enemies in there and then the but the, the brutes kind of different spins like the guys with the jetpacks and stuff like that and the more melee focused ones means that like You've got enemy types that are familiarly Halo-like, but also not exactly the same as how they did the Brutes in Halo 3, and I think that that might tread a good middle ground. So I'm optimistic Mm. there, because I think if they just showed a load of footage of you fighting Prometheans, I think a lot of people see see those enemies as like representing the weaker parts of Halo 4 and 5. So yeah, I think that's, um, that's a good decision. So Mm. Matthew, I've done my ranking there. It was ended up being fairly brisk. Um, Perhaps... um, because I just got bored of the sound of my own voice there talking about Halo games, but like um, <laughs> that that doesn't happen with me in these Elder and Ace Attorney episodes. I think that's just because you got deeper thoughts about them. Whereas here, I'm just like, yeah, I don't like levels when you're in, you're in tunnels, but I do like levels when you're outside, and that's kind of like my point for every single one of these. And like the more <laughs> uh, the more tunnel levels they have, the lower down on the list they are. <laughs> you know, the more scarabs they have, the higher up on the list they are. That's just kind of like. Um, what I'm interested in, I suppose, but I, I don't. I think it's because like there's just a, a kind of fundamental DNA to Halo of sandbox shooting that I've never seen another sandbox shooter do. Like um, Far Cry is nothing like Halo, but it is an open world shooting game. There's just something very specific about the rhythm and enemy types and composition of a great Halo level that nothing else can rematch. Really and like, yeah, I don't know. It's like I feel like I'm always just chasing that that fucking two scarabs fight i just want to see different versions of that i want to see mm. modern devs just show me what is your version of this what is your version of the set piece i will restart a checkpoint 30 times in a row to see what happens if i drive a vehicle over here i blow this up i try and make this happen like that kind of massive player experimentation and um we haven't we haven't really seen it but you know i'm mm. optimistic matthew um so yes so, uh, any further thoughts, uh, Matthew? Or should we wrap up? Well, I did. Add, I did add one question for you, which because I know you've played a lot of Destiny, and obviously that being the thing they made after Halo. Um, how do you think, like, not how Destiny compares? Because I know technically they're very different, but in terms of like your enjoyment, and do you, do you still prefer Halo over Destiny? I do, yes, because um, Destiny has a lot of trappings that aren't necessarily for me, which are like lots of grinding to get you know to do particular challenges to unlock a different weapon and stuff like that and that's not that stuff i did a lot in the you know the midst of 2020 pandemic times because there was not a lot else to do and it was a good Mm -hmm. way to listen to a load of um film podcasts (laughs) um so (laughs) i i I basically got every every like amazing gun i got in destiny 2 before they like locked a bunch of them away i was quite happy with that 
But um, I definitely don't think it's got the same repeatable kind of sandboxy levels. Like, I don't get excited about repeating a level of um, of Destiny. What I will say, though, is that the strikes have their moments. The strikes are just, like, you know, more elaborate levels. So it's, like, three people, and then there's, like, a boss at the end. They're pretty, there's a few of them that are pretty good. They can escalate quite well, get a bit close to that Halo experience. But the raids are, like, probably where you see the DNA of Halo go after this, where it's, like, how do we escalate that, you know, four-player co-op experience to something where your coordination needs to be really precise there needs to be these moments where you bail each other out where like and where you have these massive like victories together as a team because you did you did everything perfectly and like the kind of clockworky puzzle nature of some of those raids and the inventiveness of the different set pieces that is where you see the kind of like raw potential of bungie um, in these mm. Halo games, like Manifest in Destiny, that's kind of how I feel about it, Matthew. I don't, I, mm. I, 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 but Halo is. I, I want to see good Halo more than I want to see good Destiny. If that makes sense, yeah. just because the barrier of entry to Destiny is just so high, because like um, to under to even get to the point where you're you're doing raids always takes quite a bit of effort, you know. So mm. it just it feels like a lot of people who like love the two scarab set piece in Halo Three would probably enjoy the raids in Destiny. Will probably never see them because they don't have five friends they can play with, you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully that answers your question there, Matthew. Yeah. To wrap up, Matthew, I've got one question here from a listener I'm going to ambush you with. It um, landed in the inbox 11 days ago, but it's written specifically to you, really. Hello, my dear fellows. I'm writing to express my gratitude to the Castles for their relentless advocacy of the Ace Attorney series. I'd never played any of the series before as a relative newcomer to Nintendo consoles, but I picked up the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles on the strength of both Matthew and Catherine's recommendations, and I absolutely devoured it. It's simply wonderful. I was expecting anime madness and convoluted mysteries with a few tugs on the heartstrings, but I wasn't prepared for it to be so incredibly funny. The final case in the second game is so rich with payoffs, not just for characters and plot lines, but also for the gags. No spoilers, but for Matthew's benefit, I'm thinking of the final logic and reasoning spectacular inside Shom's flat, which had me roaring with laughter. However, the absolute star of the show was the prosecutor Baron Von Zeeks and his iron-heeled Wellington boot. I never got tired of the animations for his escalating series of courtroom discourtesies. I think I laughed out loud every single time he casually, casually tossed his bottle of claret into the public gallery. So to maneuver this email into a question, <laughs> if each of you were Ace Attorney prosecutors, what would you choose as your escalating series of animations? Um, uh, what I really, what I really like here, so this is from Samuel Cardwell. Thank you, Samuel. Is he then says, "Feel free to skip if a question like this has been asked before." And I like the idea <laughs> that that's that's even plausible with this podcast. Like, <laughs> you've probably been asked this before, but if you were an Ace Attorney prosecutor, how would uh, how would your oh, wig fly off? Sorry, it's that old chestnut. <laughs> Yeah, I think like um, it would probably, I don't know, for me, I maybe it would be me throwing um, a tantrum and destroying Matthews in N64 Mini. Um, <laughs> I don't know, actually, like, what do I do when I'm actually mad in real life? I go incredibly red and then just like, <laughs> I think I, I would like stress eat. You'd see me, I'd like eat like fucking four Kinder Buenos and then fucking smash something. And then like, um, and then go, I would go grayer in the escalating series of animations <laughs> as I get more stressed. I think that works. Kinder Buenos and gray hair. What about you, Matthew? I think it would have to be Rennie based. So like, cause it's, you know, I'm getting cross and it's getting my stomach acid up. So to start off with, I'm just, you know, very casually snapping open like one Rennie, like flicking it from the, from the foil packaging up into my mouth. But by the end, 
like I'd probably be emptying like entire boxes into a pestle and mortar, kind of like <laughs> grinding them up and then pouring like a big stream of Rennie dust into my gob. It would probably be heartburn related. Uh, this is the best bit, Matthew. P.S. Also, if Matthew says the word popping a Rennie as part of his answer, I get £100. <laughs> That is so perfect. Um, Oh, my God. Like I said, I'm just a caricature. (laughs) Anyway, I'm very much looking forward to playing the original trilogy soon, though really I just want five or six more games um, with Rianoske, Susata, and Shomes. Many thanks, as always, for the podcast. So that's a great question. Thank you, Samuel. Yeah, good. good. A very very elegant celebration of great Ace Attorney's uh, qualities as well. Yeah, I'm really worried that that game just got lost this year. And like it was, uh, you know, including with myself included, because it was two gigantic visual novels that came out at the same time. And then like, I just don't, I don't feel like I see people going to bat for it enough, Matthew. And I'm always worried about the future of Ace Attorney, you know. I feel like it made a dent at the time, like it made a bigger splash than I thought it was going to. And yeah, you're right. It maybe has passed, like people don't really discuss it or think about it. I imagine there are a lot of people just sitting on it, waiting to play it like on a holiday or over a Christmas holidays or something. It's... It's, it's too big a thing just to sit there and play, you know, when there's lots of other work to be done. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So that we come to the end of the podcast, Matthew. We're recording this, you know, on the um, the one year anniversary of uh, our first episode, Xbox PS5 versus Xbox Series X. And uh, as we wrap up the one year of podcast, Matthew, I wonder if you have any uh, any thoughts on the matter. Uh, just that I've, I've, you know, really, really enjoyed it really pleased other people have enjoyed it too like i don't think we had any expectations when we launched this you know i'm I'm struggled to think back to some of those conversations but it was definitely just a we want to hang out thing and that people have like taken to it it's like awesome like it's you know really really nice just have an outlet where we can kind of like share more regular thoughts because you know you've obviously sort of stepped away from games writing and I appear sporadically as a freelancer, which means it's quite hard to like get, you know, you don't feel like you have an ongoing relationship with any kind of readership when you're a freelancer, unfortunately. So having an outlet for that for that bullshit and, uh, you know, it has been yeah, super rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I've like, you know, stepped kind of games industry side, games publishing side. And like, that means I'm kind of like trying not to show my ass as much as I used to. Um, but like, but then you know, anyone who listened to me taking a shot of the listeners for the N64 mini draft results will know that that's made no difference. So um, you know, still here to embarrass myself. Yeah, it's really good. I, I, what I really like about this podcast is that like we celebrate oddball stuff and like, and like I, I know, like for example, when we talked about like the Matrix Path of the Neo in that last podcast, that's one of my highlights actually. Just like talking about the very specifics of NAF massive budget licensed games on like ps2 that's like totally my bag and like Mm. if anything this podcast is a good illustration of um what can be achieved when you bully matthew castle into following you down one of your vanity projects um (laughs) so you know just keep that in mind out there for anyone who wants to you know make something good but yeah i'm very grateful for our you know two and a half thousand or so um listeners matthew that we have each week it's been yeah um, it's no been good. It's, it's awesome my only worry is like consistency i worry that i'll go back and things that i've said uh, you know that my rankings change forever in my head and i'll go back and 
you know flip something i've said in the past uh, i'm kind of i live in fear that there's a lot of like opinions on record that i may kind of go back on or just forget about because that happens with me a lot oh man i mean you know this uh, there's stuff in this podcast i was panicking that every time i talked about an old halo game in this episode i was just repeating what i said in those best games of the year episodes and i thought yeah am i just rambling some bullshit here and like um <laughs> I, pa- I panic now when an episode comes to under two hours i thought oh don't oh god did i fuck it did i not have enough to say and it's like no no oh, no. no it's it's no. It's, 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 it's um it's just because it's not got me bollocking on for ages in the middle of it. So that's, <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. It's been fun. I, I feel like there's still loads of fuel in the tank. We've got some, you know, good ideas for going forwards. And there's stuff I think we can, like, riff on. You know, like, I definitely want to revisit some draft stuff as well because I think there's just so much mileage in that. Running a little low on magazine-heavy ideas, I must admit. But, oh yeah same like the the back page episode one is the only one i can think of that I've, there's left to do really like i think that that stuff will probably just manifest in the types of guests we have on where like they tell yeah. stories about stuff they did one thing we haven't really talked about actually that much matthew and i think we should do this when we get to june next year is where we haven't talked about e3 massively and what it's like being at e3 just because i think that would make a good episode because like yeah. you mentioned it you mentioned it a bit on the um, yeah definitely yeah i've, I've got yeah. um I got some horror stories. Yeah, absolutely, and same here. So, um, yes, um, that will be good. But like for the rest of the year, I think we're doing kind of like a draft episode next week, but it's a really low stakes one, so it's not yeah. like um, people don't have to like worry massively about being big invested in that. But it'll be fun, I think, <laughs> and quite festive as we get closer to Christmas. Then we've got uh, we've got our twenty twenty one predictions revisited coming up, and we've also got our best games of this year coming up. And I have suggested to Matthew that we do a Lord of the Rings games episode to mark the um, 20th anniversary of, uh, of the film Fellowship of the Ring coming out uh, this year. So that's um, those are all things that we'll hopefully do before the end of the year. And um, yes, I, as I mentioned on the last episode, if you'd like to send us an email, we'd love to have a bunch of emails we can go through in a new mailbag episode in the new year. Those are easy for us to do. Knock them out and um, make them too long as we ramble on about some bullshit. That's and then have our friends them. complain to us privately how they don't like those ones. <laughs> yep, they're too long. Please stop doing them. What the hell? Are you... This should have been an hour long, but it's two and a half hours long. You know, all that stuff. Um, so, yes. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to follow the podcast on Twitter, we're BackpagePod. If you'd like to send us an email, it's backpagegames at gmail.com. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Matthew, um, where can people find you on social media? I am at Mr. Basil underscore Pesto on Twitter. I'm Samuel Dobby Roberts. I'm now signing off so I can go and get some uh, noodles from a hut near my house. It's going to be good. So um, (laughs) have a good week. Goodbye. Bye for now.